1: This football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi,
0: made for football, watching. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.
2: What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. We're going to get started, James, with a conversation that we didn't get to have yesterday. Let's talk about the woo. You listened to it after I sent you the file. I heard you talk about it a little bit. Did it live up to your
1: expectations? Was it acceptable for you? It was. And, you know, the the only thing... Uh, the only problem with it is that it was only once. It it, it left me wanting more, which means we got to get Jake to woo more. I know a lot of people on Twitter were were reaching out to you about future woo, woos, and that uh, that certainly needs to happen, Jake.
2: Currently, I have only agreed to the one woo, and my representatives will be in talks for negotiations oh, about future God. woos.
1: DM Jake and at him at Jake <laughs> underscore NFL. J- just bother the hell out of him until he agrees to do another woo. I bother him every day. I need you to do the same as well. Locked on <laughs> Bengals listeners. And uh, since James
2: just shouted out my Twitter, let's let's all remember to follow James on Twitter as well, at James Rapine. Follow the podcast at Locked on Bengals on Twitter. And here's why you follow the Locked on Bengals Twitter account is because tomorrow we're going to do a mailbag and that's where we will take your questions. That's how we get things organized for the mailbags. So get ready for that coming your way tomorrow. Today we're going to talk a little bit more about Sunday's victory. You got James and my initial takeaways on Sunday after the game. Maybe on Monday if you saved it for the next day. But we have some things to revisit today. I want to talk a little bit about how game script impacted the game. Because I think it was pretty significant to see how differently this game played out versus the first three weeks of the season. We're going to shift gears, talk about the passing offense a little bit, and the whole episode is really going to be focused mostly on the Bengals' first win of the season. We're going to talk a little bit about Geno Atkins today as well. So that's what you've got in store for you in this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. James, I want to get started today by talking about this thing called game script that really determines what situational football your team has to deal with on a week-to-week basis. This week for the Bengals, they go into halftime in a really close game and they get the ball back. In every game up to this point in the season, they've lost the toss and the opposing team has elected to kick. For whatever reason, despite losing the toss again, which is now all four weeks of the regular season, not counting overtime in Philly, they've lost the toss. The opposing team has taken the ball in the second half and the Bengals have had this problem with two-minute defense where they're giving up points and then they're giving the possession right back to their opponents because of the way the coin toss went. This week, yes, the Bengals did give up points at the end of the first half, and it looked way too easy. That's another topic. They got the ball, and then they had a dreamlike second half, really. They scored touchdowns. They ran the ball effectively. They killed the clock when they needed to. And after the third quarter, really, the game was all but over, and Jacksonville just had too much ground to make up. The Bengals have been on the other side of this this year in week two against Cleveland in particular, and it just goes to show you this team, and I talked about it in our preview to the game, James, is going to be much better when they play with a lead because it'll allow them to run the ball better. It'll allow them to hide some of their issues, and that's what happened on Sunday.
1: And that's the biggest thing for me. You know, I think Joe Burrow is comfortable regardless. He's comfortable down 21 or up 21. His beat doesn't change, but the offensive line, biggest flaw, right? And so if you're down, the opposing team's pass rushers are going to, you know, tee off on that offensive line and it's going to expose a weakness. What's their other big weakness right now? The interior of their defensive line and their young linebackers. Well, if a team is up, like they were and you mentioned week two and you're right it it played out exactly the opposite of week two where it was a one possession game a backdoor uh you know score at the end to to get it within one possession but the Bengals were on their heels in week two and the Jags even though it looks sort of close were on their heels the entire second half because of exactly that you know they, they had and I think actually Jacksonville abandoned the run game too soon but the Bengals have done that too at times and they forced the Jags to do that and that's you're right. This is kind of the blueprint week to week if you can. And it's much, much easier said than done, especially when you look at the Bengals week five opponent in the Ravens. But yeah, this is what I think Zach Taylor with Brian Callahan, what all these guys uh, envisioned when they you know, were in training camp and, and kind of putting together the game plan for week one. Obviously that didn't happen. It didn't happen four days later or even in week three against the Eagles. But they were able to do it against the Jaguars specifically. Well, actually, all game because they only beat themselves. That, that's the thing. Yeah, is that's a cliche, but I, I think that was the case outside of the first drive, where I just thought it was just poor play calling. That you know that three and out after the interception. After that, they kind of had their way with the Jaguars. Uh, you know, on both ends, for the most part, outside of a couple penalties. You know, things that hurt themselves. Uh, the Jags didn't really do anything to beat them. It was kind of the Bengals and what they did to, you know, self-inflicted wounds.
2: Yeah. William Jackson lose on a double move to DJ Chark. And really the only player to beat them over the course of the day was DJ Chark. He's a really good player. He beat Jackson that one time. And outside of that, Jackson had a pretty okay game, but he did get beat on that double move. He, he beat LaShawn Sims a few times. Besides that defense mostly played really well. There wasn't a lot of pressure in this game for the Bengals defensive front, despite them ending up with three sacks in the game. I would actually say that all of those were of the coverage variety. The back end really did a good job containing the Jags' weapons, and they do have good receivers. Yes, they were really banged up on defense, and that contributed to the offense's ability to get things going, especially when Miles Jack goes out of the game after that ridiculous interception off of Drew Sample's face mask. But you mentioned one thing, James, that I want to circle back to, which is the the abandonment of the run game from Jacksonville and Cincinnati doing it in earlier weeks. I think that the Bengals have had to abandon the run game because it hasn't worked. Whereas Jacksonville, you know, they they were busting off some runs. And you mentioned in the show yesterday, the big second half run that was called back for a penalty. That could have really changed the game because the Jags stall immediately after that. So it's not a luxury the Bengals will always have when they can run the ball the way they did today. And the offensive line blocked well in the running game. They've got to take advantage of it and they can do it in close games. They can do it when they're not forced to straight drop back pass. And this is the formula. As you said, James, this is a formula for the Bengals to find success going forward this season.
1: And look, I know you're in, and I'm not trying to call you out. It's just the reality that you and a lot of people look at the value or the devaluing of running backs and say, it doesn't matter who's back there. But regardless when I look at, at this, the, the thing that I like the most – well, maybe not the most, but the thing I like a lot, Mixon didn't go or get going in the first half. What got him going was a pass, and it got the ball in his hands, and it got the, the 6,243 people that are at Paul Brown Stadium, got them excited, and he made a play in space. And that's what Zach Taylor should take away from this is, okay, it's not going to work. By the way, it, they're not going to be able to run the ball against Baltimore. I, I'll just – break breaking news, that is not going to happen. So what Zach Taylor needs to do is find a way to scheme around, and this is much easier said than done. I'm making it sound easy. Uh, much easier said than done. Scheme around this offensive line and find a way to get his playmakers in space. Well, his number one playmaker, whether it's fair or foul, is not T. Higgins. It's certainly not A.J. Green, which we'll get into. It is Joe Mixon, and it's Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd to get open against anyone. Joe Mixon, find a way to get him the ball. You saw it on Sunday, and I don't think that's an outlier. If you can get him in space, you're going uh, to be liking the results because he's that good of a player.
2: There was a concerted effort, James, to get Joe Mixon more involved in the passing game. He ran 25 routes to Giovanni Bernard's five.
1: Six receptions for 30 yards, too. That's
2: just something that needs to continue for the Cincinnati Bengals offense as they find a way to use Joe Mixon, who they paid a lot of money to. And when they did throw to him, he made him look good. He made guys miss. He made plays. You throw him a little flat and he takes it for a touchdown. He makes a guy miss at the line of scrimmage. He will reward you if you get him the ball in space because he's very fast and uh, he's going to make your angles bad. That's Joe Mixon's game. Coming up next, we're going to take a little bit more of a look at this passing offense and there's a couple concerning trends, I'd say, and then there's some things that are really good. and, And most of that is because Joe Burrow is really good and also... I think Zach Taylor's offense isn't necessarily as poorly designed as some people think. That's what's coming up next. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays and see all the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. An NFL Game Pass is the only place you can replay every game all season long. You'll also learn from the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass film session episodes. Go inside the game from a player's perspective as they break down the game's concepts and techniques. Learn from guys like Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, Devontae Adams, and many others. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL Films archive. Go to nfl.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today
0: They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: James, let's talk about the passing offense from week four and really, in large part, the whole season. There are some trends, and, and let's preface this all by saying none of this is really criticism of Joe Burrow in a macro sense. There are small things, of course, that Joe Burrow needs to get better at. He's a rookie quarterback who's played four games in the NFL, and nobody's blaming him for having some things that need to improve. I think everyone is on the same page. When yesterday, James, I had one of the one of the more popular tweets I've ever made. I said sometime in the second quarter I think Joe Burrow is the I, I think Joe Burrow is already the best player in the Cincinnati Bengals and <laughs> and that tweet took off like 1800 likes or something I don't know and and a lot of the responses were duh, you know of course he is so so th- that's all to say I think Joe Burrow is fantastic but th- there are some some warps in this passing game that we need to talk about. Uh, The the, the first and and biggest one is Joe Burrow has connected on one pass, targeted more than 20 yards down the field in the air. I thought he had a second one on that Seathen Carter. Beautiful, fantastic throw. Ends up like 19 yards downfield. Just short of that 20-yard barrier where the Bengals just haven't had success. In this particular game, I see seven passes targeted past 20 yards down the field and and none of those were complete he did have a a great pass to tyler Boyd that should have been a touchdown called back for a holding penalty his one interception on the day not really his fault although he could have made a better throw there to be honest uh drew sample had the corner and instead he kind of throws a back shoulder thing i think you expect most tight ends to make that play i'm not blaming joe burrow for this interception to be clear But there is an alternative (laughs) throw there that goes to the back pylon, and then Miles Jack probably isn't in the play at all. So I I think that that's how the play is designed, though. I think that he probably made the throw as designed. Regardless, the deep passing game, James, the Bengals don't have a burner on this team without John Ross. They clearly don't trust John Ross right now. A.J. Green's top speed this season is down like two or three miles per hour if you look at NFL next-gen stats. And, and that kind of is the transition to maybe the thing that's holding them back in the deep passing game is without A.J. and without Ross being deep threats,
1: who is the deep threat on this team? There isn't one. And Brian Callahan last week said, oh, well, you know, you don't really need a deep threat, you know, And on a conference call. And then he uh, basically said, well, Mike Thomas can beat people deep. And, you know, Mike Thomas came in, and I like him, and I liked him in the draft he had 10 career catches coming into this year and i think he has a good rapport with joe burrow expecting him to be your deep threat is insane to me and i know everybody loves Auden tate he is not a deep threat either and neither is t higgins at this stage of his career maybe he will be isn't at this stage so to your point yeah i think one that the personnel has dictated because tyler boyd as great as he is he's not a deep threat no one's gonna mistake him for that he's an intermediate you know he's good for you know, those eight to 16, 17 yard chunks, even the touchdown was a 16 yarder that was called back. And it was a great throw and a great play. But if you really want to stretch the field, you're banking on two guys to do so. And Green, I don't know if he can do it anymore, Jake. I, I don't know because uh, the, the first drive, and I said it earlier in the podcast, how much I hated it. Well, he goes off script, third down. Joe Burrow extends the play, finds Green, and Green looked like he was running in sludge. Like, I, what the hell? You're running in sand? I mean, you're at PBS. Why do they have sand on the field? And uh, I looked at, speaking of NFL Next Gen, uh, I looked it up, and, and or actually Ben Baby told me, because he has it up the whole time. ESPN has this awesome partnership with them. And it, uh, it, he was running like 15 miles an hour, like as top speed on that route. Well, I, I'll do that. You, you know, If you want someone to run 15 miles an hour on the NFL football field, I can do that anytime you want. So that is a concern now. And... You know, I I can get to Ross in a second, but if this offense is going to be as dynamic as it can be this year, with a flawed offensive line, with a rookie quarterback, uh, you know, with some personnel issues, and in a young coach that's still probably feeling his way out a bit, specifically juggling the play calling duties as well, with all of those things, they need someone to stretch the field. They need a threat, and it doesn't look like AJ Green can separate anymore. And I don't know if it's because he's thinking too much about the playbook, which I don't really buy. I think he's a really smart football player. I don't think this is a Chad Johnson in New England situation, and I don't think Zach Taylor's playbook is that damn complicated. I think he's, you know, I I don't think that's that that can't be the case after four games. Um, or if it's he's worried about injury, or if he's just still dinged up from that hamstring. I don't know what it is, but he isn't getting separation, and he should have against Jacksonville. And I preface, you know, we talked about it last week that this could be the get right game for Green. And that's the type of play that first play or, or, or that third down play and that first drive that he would make always. And he didn't even get close to the ball. Jake didn't even get close to it. That's weird to me. And, and I don't know what it is. Um, I, I still believe in AJ Green. Heck, I had a, a multiple media members today. Tell me that he should be inactive active in week five. And they were serious. I'm not there with him. <laughs> you know, I, I think he deserves reps. Zach Taylor, um, was like, yeah, he he still looks the same on film. Well, obviously he's going to say that, but it's not the case. Um, so yeah, he, he's got to prove it now. And, and and there's certainly his fair, you know, the, the plenty of doubters out there when it comes to Green. Uh, I, I I get it, I understand it. I'm not burying him like a lot of people and calling him washed like a lot of people do and have. But uh, I certainly think he's got a lot to prove here in Week Five and moving forward because the first four weeks. Have been uh, have been rough for AJ Green, and that's honestly that's why they haven't been able to stretch the field. I'm not even going to put it on Ross being inactive. Green was that guy. That's why they franchise tagged him to help make big plays, and he hasn't done it.
2: And and you make a great point about the speed, the 15 miles per hour topping out. I mean, that's Joe Mixon on his 30 something yard, 34, 32 yard touchdown run, one of the fastest plays in in Week Four. I think it was 21 miles per hour. That's mm-hmm. that's a pretty pretty substantial gap. And it's not like AJ was ever really a burner per se, but he could always run fine. Like he ran a four or five. I, I think right now he'd probably run what do you think, like a four eight? Given I, what I he's don't, at
1: right now? That's the thing, is I, I don't know. Like he, he might still run a four five, but on the field you know, like if you he, if he's in a track suit, he might still be just as fast as The eyeball test. But when he's on the field the the field speed isn't there in in his defense the you know the, the route I, I was talking about he did stop and then when burrow went off script he kept he went up field but he didn't the acceleration just wasn't there and I don't, I don't know why because I don't think it just it just and maybe it is but I, I still have my doubts that it's just gone that it just disappeared and, and because I remember talking to people that saw him right before camp was open to the media hell Lapham was on record with it saying how good he looked and that's what I mean like I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. As you roll your eyes,
2: <laughs> I, I mean, you can't trust Dave Lapham saying AJ Green looks great
1: before camp. He, he him, and Dan horde were at camp, and and so I don't think Dave Lapham would be like, "Oh, AJ looks superhuman today, and he looks like he's in crazy shape." If you know, if he wasn't, I do. Like he went out of his way to praise him. So, so that's my point. Is like something. Something is off, and he isn't getting separation. And I don't think it's just he can't get open against the Jags' fourth corner. There's no way that – like, are you kidding? But that's what happened. Sure. Uh, That that is what happened. But but, but I'm saying there's got to be a reason for it. It isn't just, you know, his legs are dead, and he's never going to be a receiver again. Why isn't
2: it that? Like, why aren't we open to that being a possible answer to this question?
1: Because it's much more likely – all of those other things I mentioned are more likely whether it's the hamstring whether it's he's getting his legs under him whether it's the even the playbook which again I don't buy that cuz it doesn't doesn't make sense right he's really smart like this I think Green could go in any system and learn it pretty quickly so uh, just, and that's just my go ahead i mean go go ahead with with your side of it is he done
2: well, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that that's a distinct possibility. It could be any of the things you mentioned, but to me, equally possible or maybe more likely is that he is a guy that was already slowing down the last time we saw him and dealt with a couple of leg injuries and got two years older, and now he's on the field again, and he's the worst separator in the NFL, according to NFL Next Gen stats. The worst... Se- I mean, that that's in four games... He has, he has 33 targets for 14 receptions and 119 yards. You can't throw a guy 120 passes in a season and have him gain 406, 480 yards. I agree. No,
1: I, I, I totally agree. And that's why, one, if you're Zach Taylor, because the, the coaching staff knows. Whatever's going on, they know. Is, is it him playbook-wise or is it him just lo- losing a step? Whatever it is. And so if that's the case, it's now up to Zach because AJ Green's here. How do you put him in a position to succeed? And it might be moving him into the slot. It might be limiting it, not limiting his snaps, but cutting his snaps down a little bit and in, in finding ways to get him the ball, you know, almost like the the crosser in, in week three where uh, who was supposed to set the uh, essentially the pick? Was it sample and sample missed him And then Green got tackled at the line of scrimmage on what looked like an awful play in, in real time like those type of things to get him open to to so he can contribute and be a part of the offense because otherwise what are you doing you you can't you can't just let him go out there and i guess the best thing he's done through four games is, is draw the number one corner on the opposing team i mean that's the and get some they were shading to to his side in a couple of these games as well we've got to move on i'm just
2: going to say one last thing for the record is that I want A.J. Green to succeed. You've heard me say a million times I want him to finish his career as a Bengal, but the only way that happens is if he dramatically improves. And, and that's where I'm at with A.J. Green right now. I'm not calling him done, but for me, at this point, he's like their fourth most effective wide receiver. Maybe fifth best most effective wide receiver. And until that changes, then I, I think that, this Bengals passing offense has a need at wide receiver going forward. And uh, that's not a very comfortable thing to say when you've been watching AJ green, as long as we have, we're going to come back and, and we're going to throw some love to the defense a little bit. And we're going to talk about our last thoughts coming out of week four, as it's time to move on and, and start thinking
1: about Baltimore week. The weather is changing. Fall is officially here and that means you got to keep up with your auto maintenance because no one wants to get stuck on the side of the road when it's zero out or 10 degrees outside or freezing like it is in Cincinnati during the winter. And so, what you got to do is go to rockauto.com because they have every part that your car, truck, van, SUV, whatever you drive, whatever you're looking for, whatever you need, they have it at rockauto.com. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for over two decades. Check out all the auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. And the best of all, their prices are always reliably low and the same for professionals as do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? You can order from your own home. You don't have to go to the big box store at rockauto.com. So go there now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and write locked on in there. how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Zach
2: Taylor and the Cincinnati Bengals just broke through their one-score game wall. And when you need to break through your wall, maybe it's a mental wall, maybe it's a physical wall, you've heard about us talk about the Built Bar. Now it's time to try Built Go, the healthy replacement for your energy drink where the energy isn't fake, it's lasting and natural. 1.5-ounce packages. They've got three flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. It's a delicious gel mixture of protein and energy. It's like five-hour energy without the crash feeling. It's like a monster energy drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. It's got collagen protein that's fast-absorbing that'll get into your system fast. It's easy on the stomach. It pumps you full of vitamin B, promotes joint, soft tissue, skin, and hair health, literally makes you look better. Go try it today. Go visit builtgo.com and use promo code locked to get 30% off your next order. That's promo code locked for 30% off
1: at builtgo.com. Let's go. Jake, we've talked a lot about the offense. Let's switch gears. Look at the defense a little bit. And I pointed this out on, on the, the post game show, essentially, uh, that, this defense, partially circumstance, but they they did what they needed to do. They forced two punts to start that third quarter, and that changed everything for them. Here's my hope: my hope is is they get some of these guys back in the mix, and they feel more whole again this week against the Ravens, and they can build on what they did in Week Four. Darius Phillips'
2: move inside was an experiment that I think was met with mixed success. I think they need to get him back on the outside. They need to get. Mackenzie Alexander back hopefully he's well we'll find out a little bit more about his health on Wednesday because it's a downgrade at two positions I think with with him moving inside and with Sims outside and and if Alexander can't go this week I hope the Bengals find another answer in the slot because I think Darius Phillips is just a better player on the perimeter and uh, we'll have to see how that goes but man you talk about the glue for this defense right now the the unabashed all-star the guy that's easily playing at the highest level and it's jesse bates the -hmm. guys had one game this year that that wasn't all-star level which was week two against the browns a short rest week when the browns just wanted to run it all day and jesse bates was the alley defender missed a few tackles there outside of that and and in pass defense in particular the guy's been a stud I mean, in this game breaks up a deep pass, maybe two two uh leads to the interception on another play, crashing down on Tyler Wright breaks up a deep ball with a perfectly timed tackle down the right sideline on another one. And the guy's just balling out in de- in in uh pass defense in particular. At this point, he's he's everything that you hoped he would be after his rookie year through four games this season after a bit of a down year last year as a center fielder as a free safety. I, I tweeted during the game, and, and the reason I, I kind of wanted to get to this, my second most popular tweet, which to me means the, the, the barometer of Bengals fans, the second most popular player on the Bengals right now might be, it's probably Joe Mixon, right? But besides that, it might be Jesse Bates. I, I tweeted, extend Jesse Bates after he broke up that deep ball, and uh, I, I, I truly believe that. He, he's a guy that needs to be part of the next core.
1: Absolutely. 100, uh, it's it's funny you say that. Uh, it, I thought it was interesting. Jesse talked after the game, and he should have, you know, podium game for Jesse Bates. And one of the things he was asked about was, you know, his rapport with Joe Burrow and how impressed he's been with him. And he laughed. He was like, "Yeah, we motivate each other, and we talk. And you know, he's the face of the franchise. He's like the crazy part is Joe's older than me, <laughs> and that's the that you know the the crazy part with Jesse Bates is he's coming into his own this year, and you're seeing everything." kind of come together I think it's a breakout year but he's 23 years old you know and he's been in the league now it's his third season this is when he should break out. this is when you want to see him grow into that that safety that they envisioned and honestly this is like the one thing I think Terrell Austin deserves a little credit for I know he wanted a center fielder like Jesse Bates and he wasn't a good defensive coordinator but uh, he goes out and and helps the Bengals or pushes the Bengals to get a guy like Bates and looks like that's uh, the one good move he, he made when he was the Bengals D.C. Yeah, you definitely can't complain with
2: Jesse Bates. That's a guy that when they drafted him, I was a little skeptical, to be honest, like a Wake Forest safety. And and he's immediately, I, I turned around on it pretty quick, right? You, you do a little bit of research into it. At the time, I wasn't necessarily paying as much attention as I do now. And he, he's he been fantastic for the Bengals. The other guy I want to give some props to, DJ Reader was out there for 56 of the Bengals, 68 snaps at defensive tackle, which is just A mammoth amount of snaps for a man his size. Played another really good game. Had his best game as a pass rusher. You probably noticed it during the game, pushing pockets back into Garner Minshew's lap a few times and also played really well in the run game. So some props to DJ Reader. And the other thing I want to mention, James, before we get out of here today, Michael Jordan has struggled this year a little bit at left guard. He's had one good game and a few mediocre games, let's say. You talk about guys younger than, than... Joe Burrow he's one of the youngest on the team he's not even 23 yet and so yes it's fair to criticize I think Mike Jordan's play this season to some extent but for me the thing that I always keep in mind for him is exactly what Brandon Thorne told me when we talked about the offensive line earlier before the season started is that Mike Jordan on a lot of other teams will probably be on the bench for a couple of years you know learning the NFL game as he's 20 turning 21 you know And then after a couple years of seasoning, a couple years in NFL nutrition and lifting programs, then he gets on the field. But for the Bengals, he's been on the field the whole time. He's been learning the whole time. And uh, I just wanted to point out that, yeah, he hasn't been great this season, but also younger than Joe Burrow. And also, I think, still, you know, has some development in the tank. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We'll be back tomorrow for the midweek mailbag. The Bengals coming off a win, coming off of two straight weeks, James, without a loss. <laughs> one, two, and one are the Bengals. They can get to 500 next week as 14-point dogs on the road in Baltimore. Until the mailbag Bengals fans, who day, and have a good one.
0: Hey, Prime members.